There were four expected fathers uh, in uh, in the waiting room. Their, their wives were in giving giving birth, and, and and a nurse comes out of the 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 the, the back and goes up to one of the fathers, and says, "Congratulations, you're the father of twins." And the guy was all excited, like, "Wow, that is great!" He said, "You're not going to believe this, but it's kind of a coincidence. Uh, I work for the Minnesota Twins." Uh, you know, they all kind of laughed about it, and the lady went back. A few minutes later, the nurse comes out again. She goes up to the to the second guy and and says, "You're not going to believe this, but you're a, you're the father of triplets." And the guy's like, "I can't believe that! What a coincidence! I work for 3M Corporation." Uh, about an hour later, the nurse returns. The two dads were passing around cigars, and and the nurse returns, and 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 the third father was sitting over in the corner, just kind of quiet. Uh, and she walks up to him uh, and uh, and and says, I, "I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but you're you're the father of quadruplets." And it took him a while to get his breath to speak. He said, "I'm a manager at the Four Seasons Hotel." Uh, about that time, all three fathers and the nurse looked over at the fourth father who had passed out. She she runs over and the nurse and gets him gets him awake again and 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 they heard him saying, kind of mumbling to himself, "I never should have taken that job at Seven Eleven. I never should have." <laughs> no, nothing brings quite the, the the amount of excitement and joy and wonder and uh, uh, into our life as the birth of a child and. And quite honestly, the birth of a first child certainly uh, brings that. But nothing also brings as much fear and trepidation and despair either as the, the birth of your first child. When you realize that you've, you've got a new title, it's mom and dad, and the hospital sends you home with a baby, and it doesn't go home with an instruction manual at all. It's, a terrifying, it's terrifying to realize that you're about to embark on a very unfamiliar journey. We're going to, uh, and I apologize for the timing of this, we're going to finish our Christmas series on New Year's Day uh, with, with the, the delay of, of having one Sunday we didn't have church that kind of pushed things off. So, so we're actually going to finish our series on Christmas t- today. We've been, talking about, we've been talking about Mary and the journey that God put her on. For, for Mary, that journey to Bethlehem, couldn't have been more ill-timed. She was nine months pregnant. The journey from Nazareth to uh, in, in Galilee down to Bethlehem in Judea was about 70 miles. Doesn't sound like a big deal for us. You jump in a car, an hour later you're there. But on donkey, it was a two to three day jarring journey as she made her way uh, from, from one place to the other. It was an unfamiliar journey. Uh, and, and I don't know if Mary knew enough to complain or was bold enough to complain. I'm sure Joseph's mother-in-law, Mary's mom, must have when he said, you're doing what? You're taking my daughter where? But God had a plan, and actually it was a plan that had been prophesied years before. In in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. God had a plan, so Mary and Joseph headed for Bethlehem and this unfamiliar journey. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, we're going to read what is a classic, and I realize it was last week, a classic Christmas text. Uh, Luke chapter 2, just the first seven verses, just to kind of put us in, in context. In those days, Caesar Augusta 
issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Kyrnus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, as did Mary. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We've been looking at Mary's journey, an unexpected journey. She, she didn't ask for it. She didn't dream about it. She had no idea what was coming, but, but God put her on a journey to be the mother of the Christ child, and it was unexpected. We, we looked last week that it was unscripted. Uh, God put her on the journey. He, he sent an angel to announce it and said, you're going you're gonna to give birth to the Christ child, the Lord, the Messiah. And, and then we noted last week, it was, it was kind of shocking, it was troubling, that then the, the, the angel left. As soon as she said, hey, I'm, I'm in, I'll follow it, I'm yours, the angel just disappeared. So today we're going to look at uh, an unfamiliar journey. Here's the first thing, it, it, it wasn't easy. It's not easy to end up on a journey that's unfamiliar. That's certainly true for us as well. And, and you wonder if Mary... I wondered, text doesn't tell us this, but, but just knowing human nature and just wondering how things might have gone, gone and what she might have been, had been going on in her, you, you wonder if she thought, uh, did she think about what might have been? I can't, I can't imagine how difficult and uncomfortable, uh, how distressing it must have been for Mary to give birth to Jesus in the circumstances. Now, Again, a lot of not a, not a lot of details there, but it appears that the only one there with her was Joseph. Rita, how comfortable would you have been if it was just me there when Brian was born? <laughs> she would have been screaming, "Somebody, anybody, but this imbecile! I want someone that knows what they're doing." But appear, it appears that that only Joseph was there. Her mom wasn't there. Uh, her her relative. Uh, last week we called her Aunt Elizabeth. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, we, we noticed from the text last week, soon as the, the, the angel left, Mary went and spent three months with uh, her relative Elizabeth, possibly her aunt. Uh, she wasn't there. there. There were no family. There were no friends. Uh, I'm sure that Mary, uh, in, in her culture, even though she was a young girl, 12 to 15 years old, I'm sure she had witnessed childbirth before. So, so she knew kind of what to expect. She knew that it was going to be painful, that it was going to be trying, that it was going to be difficult. And now at nine months pregnant, jo- uh, Joseph puts her on a donkey, travels two or three days, and, and possibly as they approach Bethlehem, the, the first uh, contraction hit. Or, or maybe as they saw uh, the, the lights of the city down below, the, her, her water broke, and she said to Joseph, I think it's time. And I wonder if she thought. I wonder if she thought back nine months earlier when, when an angel had appeared to her and, and, and said that, that there was going to be a miracle. It appeared to her and said that she was going to give birth to, to the Messiah. It appeared to her and said, you are highly favored. And then said, the Lord is with you. 
And, and then he said, the, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you will be overshadowed by him. She might have thought, I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is, but that sounds cool. Uh, I wonder if she, if she didn't think back. I wonder if Joseph didn't think about, back, and for him it probably was six months earlier, uh, when, when the angel appeared to him and basically said the th- same thing that Mary's, Mary's with child, but it's through, through, through God that she's with child. I wonder if they, if, if they both didn't think back. Uh, I wonder if she didn't remember back to what the angel had said about this child. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will never end. And so I wonder if she thought, God, you and I, we've got this. And then the next contraction con, contract, contraction came. And then it was followed in increased frequency and intensity. And as they rolled into Bethlehem, uh, their worst fear was realized when th- they couldn't find anywhere to go. If there were relatives there, they couldn't find any one of them. If there were houses that that would house guests from afar, none of them would give them a place to stay. And the only place they could go was a stable. Early tradition had it that the stable was not like what we see in our our Christmas programs that was nice and well-lit and and nice new straw and quiet animals to the side. Early tradition had that the stable was actually a cave. So it was, it was possibly dark and dingy and smelly and cold and damp. And that's where she went. I, I wonder, you see, I wonder if Mary had thought that God was going to send a miracle. I wonder, I wonder when it came time for the delivery, if she thought back to the proclamation, the Lord is with you, if she thought back to the declaration of the identity of the Christ, or of the child that she was bearing. I'm having, the Christ child. I'm having the Messiah. Surely God has gone ahead of me and ordained an opulent place for me uh, to have the child, or at least an adequate place. I, I'm, I'm sure she, she thought, surely God has gone ahead of me and already planned out a pain-free delivery, or at least provided a midwife. I, I, I'm sure God has has planned, gone ahead and planned a greeting party. A greeting party led by Gabriel with some, some fellow angels there to, to just be there and make the moment a little bit easier. Instead, she was greeted by these dirty, smelly, uh, shepherds who showed up and said, can I hold the baby? Can I hold the baby? I, I, I wonder if she was expecting God to show up with a miracle. That's how it all started. An angel. A miracle conception? I wonder if she was thinking, God, where's my miracle now? So, so it really brings the question, or begs the question, why wasn't there one? Why didn't God show up at this time in a miraculous way? God chose to come in a unique and miraculous way. The, 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 the pregnancy was miraculous. It certainly wasn't beyond his ability to make it happen. God was the author of the universe, the creator of everything, all powerful. God, God, had he wanted to, could have, could have, could have built a palace. So as they went into Bethlehem, the first thing they saw was this huge palace. There, there were, were neon lights shining. Welcome, Mary and Joseph and, and the Christ child, baby Jesus. Now, I know they didn't have neon lights back then, but hey, God could have, could have done it just for that moment. Uh, 
why, why didn't he? Why didn't he make the, the delivery process, that whole thing? Why didn't he make it just so easy? Jesus' human experience was just that. It was human. God in the flesh coming to earth to be fully God and yet fully human. Uh, and, and, and from the time from the time that the conception happened moving forward, everything about Jesus' life was highlighted by, fact, by the fact that he was a humble servant. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, Paul kind of describes this. Uh, this. These verses follow where Paul had challenged the church at, at Philippi, challenged us as well, that we should live like Christ, that that should be our goal, to have a mind like Christ. And he went on in the next verses to describe exactly what that mind was. But he says this, Who being in the very nature of God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. His, his very existence was highlighted by his humble attitude of service. He could have been born in a palace. Uh, angels could have surrounded Mary and uh, made things easy. When, when the baby was born, it could have been born in a, in, in a flash. And an angel handed the Christ child who, who was already potty trained and, and smiling and, you know, eating solid food. I mean, it, it could have happened that way. God, God was God. God could have made it, but, but he didn't. Jesus says of himself a couple things. He says in Matthew 8.20, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Uh, again, in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 48, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So this unfamiliar, that, unfamiliar journey that Mary was on wasn't easy. It, it was humble. It was struggling it was difficult but that's who jesus was jesus life jesus ministry jesus example to us was exactly that so mary mary may have been thinking as as they approached bethlehem god's got something big it's going to be it's going to be a doozy this is going to be great this is going to be so easy um and it wasn't and i wonder if sometimes we think. We, we look at our life and, and we say, God, I, I like Barry have said, I'm, I'm yours. I, I'm going to follow you. We, we've committed ourselves to him. We, we've give, given him our, our heart, our time, our, our money, our passions. We've given him our very spirit and our soul. And we, we serve him. God, God, why don't you provide a miracle? We, we sometimes think, we sometimes are troubled by the fact when, when, when we're a believer that God isn't showing up when we think that He should show up. When, when there's pain, when there's heartache, when there's trouble, there's confusion, there's disappointment, there's failures, there's in uncertainty. God, where is our miracle? And in fact, we know the verse, John chapter 10 verse 10 says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. The RSV says, have it abundantly. God, you said that I, when, when I believe, I'm going to have life to the full. And yet, God, why aren't you blessing me always? Why, why, why do I struggle? Why is, 
Why is it hard? Why do I show up and there's no room for me in the end, somewhat figuratively for us? Why don't you show up in such magical ways? God, bless me and give me that equivalent of a palace. We often have the expectation that we've set out on this unfamiliar journey that God is going to bless us beyond measure. But Jesus also said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That sounds great. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Matthew 10, 22 says all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm will to the end will be saved. In James chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever I show up with a miracle. Well, no, that's not what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. God, God could have shown up for Mary in a miraculous way at the time of his birth. God could, God could show up with miracles in our life at every turn as well. But that's not what Jesus' life was about. See, the reality is, <laughs> It's not easy. We live in a fallen world, and Jesus came to save us not from trials, not from the reality of our world, but he came to save us from the reality of the consequence of living in this world. He came to save us from from sin. See, if our journey had been laid out for us, if our journey was, was laid out, we may not even want it. If we looked and we knew exactly what was always going to happen in our life, if it were always familiar to us, it would be a struggle. See, the, the reality is we find peace and we find hope and we start, find strength and we find God and Jesus in going through that unfamiliar journey. Dr. Paul Ruskin published, uh, published an article in the American uh, Journal of Medicine. Uh, it, it was an article about the stages of aging and, and he told a story uh, in that, uh, in that article. It, it was a time when he was teaching a medical, uh, a class in medical school. And, and he presented this situation to his students. He said this, the patient neither speaks nor comprehends, comprehends the spoken word. Sometimes she babbles incoherently for hours on end. She is di- disoriented about person, place, and time. She does, however, respond to her name. I've worked with her for the past six months, but she still shows complete disregard for her physical appearance and makes no effort to assist her own care. She must be fed, bathed, and clothed by others. Her food must be pureed. Her shirt is always soiled from her almost incessant drooling. She does not walk. Her sleep pattern is erratic. Often she wakes up in the middle of the night and scream, and her screaming awakens others. Most of the time she's friendly and happy, but several times a day, she gets quite agitated and without apparent cause. Then she wails until someone comes to comfort her. After presenting this case to the class, doc, the, the, the doctor asks, are, are any of you willing to care for this patient? No one volunteered. Dr. Ruskin said this, I'm surprised that none of you offered to help. Actually, she's my favorite pa- 
patient. I get immense pleasure from taking care of her, and I'm learning so much from her. She's taught me a depth of gratitude I never knew before. She has taught me the spirit of unwavering trust, and she's taught me the power of unconditional love. And at that, he said, do you want to see a picture of this patient? And he takes his wallet out and pulls out a picture and hands it around, and the picture is of his six-month-old daughter. <laughs> Sometimes our, our, our journey is unfamiliar, but, but boy, God has some, some things planned for us. It's not, it's not easy. Mary might have looked at that unfamiliar journey and thought, well, it's not, particularly how it ha- happened at the end, it's not exciting. She, she must have dreamed, she must have thought as they traveled from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, she knew the time was close. She must have thought, man, God's got something big. This is going to be so exciting. It's what she expected. God was going to show up. And it appears like he didn't. There were no angels to congratulate her or thank her or or even give her directions on what's going to happen and how it's going to go. There were some, some cool things that happened. The shepherds showed up out of nowhere. I guess that was kind of cool. A little bit later, probably a year later, maybe two years later, the wise men, I know our plays, they show up that night, but it was probably a year to two years later. The wise men showed up with, with gifts. That, that was kind of cool, but, but it probably wasn't as exciting as she thought. And I think sometimes we're a little bit like, like that with our walk with the Lord. We anticipate that God's going to show up with us in, in, in some grand ways. We expect those God moments. Now, I love God moments. Uh, I, I occasionally will tell someone a God moment. I, I, I love it when, when people will come and say, we'll, we'll be telling a story and say, well, it was a God moment. And I love that when we recognize that God does show up sometimes in wonderful, exciting ways, that God does show up in, in miraculous ways, uh, when, when things just fall together and we know it wasn't an accident that God ordained it and planned it. I love when God shows up and He does. Church, let me encourage you, when God shows up in those moments, share with share that with one another. We need to be encouraged by that. But here's the reality. God isn't so much interested in, in, in our God moments as He is in putting Himself in all of our moments. He's not so, so, so interested in us having those God moment stories as He is in us being, or, or Him being a part of our everyday story. It's us infusing Him into our lives. It's not God showing us a miracle. It's us showing the miracle of God in our life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father. Our, our unfamiliar journey that God calls us to is to simply live like Jesus. If He sends God moments, if He, if he works it out perfectly, then then praise the Lord for that. But but God really is about us putting our life and living for Him. Now, now, wouldn't it be cool if we could just say to people, we could encourage people, hey, become a Christian, and when you do, you will have no more problems. Become a Christian, and you'll have no financial troubles. You can, you can blow your money, but somehow all your bills get paid. You never lack for anything. Become a Christian, and you will have no more sickness. I mean, you can hold a baby that's sick, and you're not going to get it. You know, you, you can have your, 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 uh, your friend with the flu and you can go ahead and just give him a kiss on the cheek and not worry about anything because you're a Christian. You're never going to get sick. You're not going to have problems. Your kids, 
whoa, they're going to have straight teeth and beautiful smiles and and they're all going to be doctors. Isn't that so cool? But you have to be a Christian first. If you're a Christian, then God's going to take care of all of this. Everything's going to be a miracle. God's going to show up in miraculous ways every time. It's not how it happens. Instead, God, God wants to show up every time in our moments. He wants to show up every time in our pain and in our financial problems and in our sickness and and in our relationship problems and in our kids who have crooked teeth and decide not to be a doctor. God wants to show up in our hearts and our lives and shine as an example in those moments for us. So, so God could have, could have shown up in a miracle for Mary, a palace, angels to help her. God could show up every single time with a miracle for us, but, but he chooses not to. We're going to start next up. Uh, Next Sunday, we're gonna, we're gonna start a study on the Gospel of, of Mark. In fact, our, our theme for the year, and this, this is what I hope for us to do as, as we move forward this year, is to, to bounce everything off this idea that comes from, from the Gospel of Mark, that we are to, to love God and love people. It's from Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, when a guy asks, well, what's the, you know, what, what should I do? What's the, what's the commandments? And Jesus points it down to two commandments. Love God, love others. Love God, love people. And that's going to be our theme for the next week, but or the next year. But as we look in the Gospel of Mark, a couple things, a couple themes come out over and over again in the Gospel. One of those is compassion. Many times in the Gospel of Mark, before Jesus does something, Mark says Jesus who was full of compassion, Jesus who was moved by compassion, Jesus who saw their need and and his heart ached for them. Jesus had compassion. The reality is. If our lives were always miraculous, if God always showed up in God moments and we never struggled at all, how would we ever have compassion for those that do? The reality is our compassion comes from the fact that we have God with us in those moments ourselves. And that's why Jesus came and put on human skin. That's why Jesus experienced life just like we did, so that when he saw hurt, he knew what it was like. And had compassion. Another thing we see, we'll see uh, in the Gospel of Mark many times is that Jesus often pulled himself away uh, for times of prayer, for times of solitude. He'd get the twelve sometimes just by himself. He he would would separate himself so that he could reconnect uh, and, and find strength for the day. We are called. Uh, we are called to this unfamiliar journey to live for Him. It may not be exciting. At times, but God has called us to live for Him. See, it's easy for us to miss the real story, and that is that we need to be like Jesus. On December seventeenth, nineteen o three, date some of you might know in history, Orville and Wilbur Wright made their first flight as a Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On their fifth attempt, Orville, who was was at the controls, flew for twelve seconds. Soon as he had finished the flight, uh, Wilbur rushed to the telegraph office, sent this telegraph to his sister, Kathleen. Uh, we have flown for 12 seconds. We will be home for Christmas. Catherine took the message and went to the newspaper and, and, and said that her brothers had got their flying machine and it had flown for 12 seconds. They're going to be at home for Christmas if you want to do an interview. Uh, on, on Christmas Day, the newspaper article on the sixth page had this headline, Right, brothers, home for Christmas. 
an event that changed the world was completely missed. We're called to a unfamiliar journey. It's not charted out for us. It's not played out for us. We're not, we're not told exactly how it's going to happen. Just as Mary. It's unfamiliar, but God calls us to live it. And, and let's close here. Let's finish this last thought. It's not earthly. Mary, Mary learned, and this is what she learned, that God is willing, or that God uses willing people. There, there was nothing special about Mary. We've talked about it for a few weeks, but, but she's just a lady that God chose and that answered with, yes, I will. I'm yours. I'll follow. That's what made her special, is that God chose her and she said, okay. She learned that God uses willing people. And it really comes down to this simple thought, will we listen? Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So she started out this uh, unexpected journey, this unscripted journey. She didn't know where it was going, this unfamiliar journey. She had never been there before. When she started that out, it's, it came with, the Lord is with you. Let me encourage you with this and leave you with this. The Lord is with us. In the journeys he calls us to that we, we may not expect, the journeys he calls us to that he may not script out exactly uh, word for word what we're to do and step by step what we're to do and the journeys that he calls us to that are unfamiliar that we've never been before the Lord is with you let's bow Father we thank you this morning that you can use the most humble of people in the most humble of circumstances uh, to bring about miraculous things Father we thank you for the life of Mary we thank you for her simple spirit that went from fear to faith that that had no idea what was happening to uh, I'm yours, do with me as you would. Uh, Father, we thank you that that you call us to very similar journeys. You, you call us to be your representative. You call us to be your example. You call us to be a light to a world that's struggling and hurting. And yet, Father, you don't take all that pain away from us. You don't take away the difficulties. Uh, in, instead, you insert yourself in our lives in the midst of that so that we can be a light to others, just as Jesus was. Father, help us as you put us on our journey for you. As you lay out paths for us, Father, help us see you and know that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today and, and, and starting this new year, this new season, this opportunity as... as uh, as Johnny mentioned earlier, to, to reset and start over and make a new commitment. Today God is calling you in this year to a journey for Him. May you recognize His presence. Would you stand as we sing?